You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 61, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today, I'm going to be speaking with digital mindfulness retreat leader and expert, Christina Maleka. Inspired by the work of Sherry Turkle, Nicholas Carr, and her own experience in digital fasting, Christina has created a series of digital mindfulness retreats, which can be done at home or on location with Christina. You can find out more about Christina Maleka at dmret.com. I'm extremely pleased to welcome Christina Maleka to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. In the interview that you're about to hear with Christina Maleka, you'll hear her talk about the digital mindfulness retreats that she runs with people in person, but you'll also hear her talk about the do-it-yourself at-home retreat option that she offers and her suggestions that you can take mini retreats on your own for a day, a weekend, even a few hours or an hour. And I really, for today's tip, just want to summarize and draw on her suggestions to suggest that you can go on a micro retreat by yourself, which could be as short as a single meal. It can be for an hour It could be for five minutes. It can be for any one activity. Maybe if you're going for a run or some other exercise where you normally take your phone with you and have your earbuds in, you could leave your phone behind. What I suggest about this is no matter how short this is, a minute or five minutes, that you set aside your technology intentionally and be aware that that's what you're doing before you start, when you start this activity, like when you're sitting down for a meal and you put your phone and other devices in another room, that you be aware of the fact that you are now without technology and draw your attention to what's happening for you in the moment where you are through your senses, what you're seeing, if you're eating, what you're tasting, what you're smelling, what you're hearing, and I found that when I do that intentionally, really focus before I start on the fact that I am now going to be spending some time without technology, it can help me to be more present in the moment. You know, I think about other kinds of ways of making transitions. In my own martial arts training, I remember early on being taught that when we walked into the dojo, the school, and bowed upon entering, we were supposed to use that few seconds of bowing to remind ourselves that we are now entering the dojo and we'll be focusing our attention on being there and training. And the same thing at the beginning of the class, to not just bow mindlessly, but use those few seconds of bowing to maybe say to ourselves, I am now about to start the class and I will focus all of my attention on the class. I will put aside whatever else is bothering me about my life or I'm thinking about doing tomorrow for the duration of this class. And then at the end of the class and upon leaving, I was taught to bow again mindfully to make that transition. So whether you actually bow (laughs) or just close your eyes or in some other way, consciously set your intention for making this a micro retreat from technology I suggest that you do something to make that transition into technology-free time and see if that helps you stay more focused 
on your direct experience during that period. Hope you find that helpful, and I think you're really going to enjoy the upcoming interview with Christina Maleka. Hi, Christina, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Hey, Robert, how are you? I'm glad to be here. You do a lot of things related to technology and mindfulness. We're going to talk about your mindfulness retreats, both in person and at home. But just so people can start to get to know you, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what got you motivated to start doing this work? Yeah, absolutely. So starting from the beginning, I'm a helper type person. Um, Ever since I was a little kid, I've really enjoyed being helpful, which is usually appreciated sometimes not. (laughs) That's a whole other (laughs) podcast. But um, (laughs) my first career was working as a community organizer around environmental justice issues. So I worked on that for the first 20 years of my career. I think 20. It's, you know, once you're 52, you lose track of time. And then I switched careers in my mid thirties to becoming a psychotherapist. So I've been a therapist for about 16 years and I've really had a front row seat to the impacts of the digital revolution on my clients. You know, I was a therapist before smartphones existed, before Facebook was really available to the general public, mm-hmm. before text messaging became the primary form of communication. So I've really just kind of watched the impact on my clients and watching them struggle. And the, there's several different areas where I've seen people struggle. One is with social media. You know, there's lots of great things about social media. I think that social media, one of the things that I think is really helpful is for people with disabilities or people who are introverts or people who have a hard time with in-person connection or have social anxiety. Social media can be a really great way to connect and to find your people and to find resources. Folks here, I work a lot. I have a social justice lens with my work. So people who are in marginalized communities targets of oppression, it's a great place for them to find each other and support each other. So I don't want to just throw social media under the bus completely, but it's also the social comparison piece is really hard on people. Mm -hmm. You know, seeing everybody snippets of everybody's idealized life and comparing yourself and feeling like your life isn't as good or you're not doing as well. Everyone else's life is great. (laughs) Right. And then the FOMO, the fear of missing out. There's so many things that we could be doing and we, it's just really hard to take in all that information. And social media is a great place to see what your friends are up to, but it's also a place where you can see that your friends went to brunch without you. You have access to your ex's info online for eternity. So I've seen a lot of emotional suffering related to social media and people going to social media looking for validation and not getting it because it's not an embodied experience. So it doesn't really register in their nervous system as validation. And then the switch from phone communication to texting is the main way that we talk with each other. It took me a while, you know, many years ago, it took me a while to realize that clients were coming in talking about these really serious, emotional, hard conversations that they were having with partners or with friends or with family and realizing all of this was happening over text message rather than in person and on the phone. And text message is really great for, uh, you know, I'm running late or I, even I love you thinking about you, but it's not a great right, place right. to have anyone's conversations because we lose facial expression. You know, people say that body language is 60 to 70% of communication. We lose that. 
There's no agreed upon etiquette with text messages. So people feel incredible anxiety when they send something out to people and don't hear back. So I've seen that as a really big issue. And then also just the enormous amount of stress we're on and this requirement to always be on and always be available. And so I was watching that with my clients and helping them manage their relationship with technology. And then I realized about three years ago that I wasn't really looking at my own use of technology. (laughs) And I was spending a lot of time um, scrolling on my phone and spending a lot of time on my laptop. And so I took myself on a screen-free vacation for a week. I went to the Oregon coast and had no tablet, no phone, no laptop. I didn't even watch TV. And it was really hard. It was a lot harder than I thought it would be. I really, for the first few days, I was really jonesing. And I was also just realizing how much I had numbed myself out or avoided my emotional experience by picking up my phone. And so the first few days were really, really hard. And about day three, I just kind of dropped back into my body and started to, you know, move through the boredom and to have creative thoughts and to reflect on my life and really think about what my priorities are. What are my, the biggest priorities and values that I want to embody in my life? And I was able to make really significant changes in how I spend my time and to balance my technology. And I've been able to continue that since that time. I'm not perfect, but I have been able to stick with it. And so being a helper, I was like, I want to bring this experience to other people. So I created my digital mindfulness retreats. And when I first started them, I called them digital detox retreats, but I renamed them digital mindfulness retreats because I feel like detox isn't really a long-term solution. And it kind of, I don't know, for me, it sort of makes me think about you stop doing something bad for a while and then you go back to your old ways. And I don't want to demonize technology is all bad. I want to help people create a more mindful relationship with technology that's more sustainable for them. So yeah, I started my retreats in 20, early 2018. And I've held three retreats, four since that time. And I just love bringing people together and helping them connect with each other, with themselves, with nature. It's been a really powerful experience. So yeah. That's that's my backstory. Yeah, well, tell us a little bit about what the retreats are like. They're, I assume, they're uh, in person. They're people are yes. coming to you, and yes. they are now being uh, without screens. And what what's the gist of it? You know, what kind of experience do people have? I have my retreats in really beautiful natural settings because I want people to be out in nature. I don't know if you've heard of attention restoration theory, mm-hmm. but it's this theory about, and it's, it's backed by research that spending time in nature, you know, reduces our physiological stress, helps us to be more connected with ourselves, helps us to have better conversations with other people. And so it's really important that they're in these beautiful natural settings. Sort of how it works is I have people come together and I have everybody write down on a note card who or what they want to be more present for in their life. And we sort of have this time where everyone sort of comes to the front of the room, says who are, if they're, if they're an extrovert, if they're an introvert, I have other activities for people, but not everyone has to do that. And they say who or what they want to be more present for, and they hand over their technology to me. So it's a tech-free for the whole weekend or week, depending on how long 
the retreat is. And then I immediately send people on an exercise to explore their five senses. Most people have five senses. Some have fewer, some have more. I focus on helping people drop down into their five senses because that's one of the best ways to get present, to be calm. As a therapist, when I'm working with clients who have experienced trauma and might get dissociated or triggered, one of the things I do to bring them back to baseline is have them explore their five senses. So people go outside, they um, take in the things they can see, hear, smell. I have delicious things for people to eat. And I just, you know, I feel like with technology, a lot of times we're not using all our senses. And so it really helps people to, to get present. I do several mindfulness meditations throughout the retreat. I really have designed it to be for people who haven't maybe haven't meditated before or want to start a meditation practice. So I give people lots of different examples of med- of meditation practices. You know, we do a Vipassana meditation, we do loving kindness meditation, we do body scans. I give people a lot of tools to think about what form of meditation works best for them. One of the biggest pieces is just getting people to talk to each other, putting down their phones, looking each other in the eyes, getting to know strangers. People form really deep connections on my retreats. They stay in touch. The last cohort of my retreat came over to my house for lunch a couple months ago and made this beautiful meal. Yeah. So it's about building community as well. And when we're at the retreat, we all sit down and have meals together without our phones, which is becoming rarer and rarer. So the big piece for me is to just get people in a room talking to each other. And the feedback I've received is that's one of, that's the favorite thing. That's the thing that people enjoy the most. Then I also take people on an exploration of their emotional relationship with social media. I ask people to think about what they post most often on social media. You know, is it a photo, an opinion, an article, an experience, a vacation? And then I want them to think about what do they want to feel when they post that? Connected, Mm -hmm. respected, accepted, validated, envied. Seen. Seen is something that comes up all the time when I do this exercise. Um, People want to feel seen. And then I ask them to think about what do they want people to think about them? Like when I, when I post this, what do I want people to think about me? And then we spend an afternoon just having conversations with each other about what these emotions, what are the emotional needs that we're really trying to get met? through our connection with social media? And can we find other ways to get those needs met as well with just one-on-one embodied experience with other humans, with our mirror neurons on and our full selves? And then I ask people to think about what do you want people to think about you Mm -hmm. and why and how close is that to who you really are and who really knows you? Who, you know, what are the connections in your life where people really know you. So that's a big piece. You know, we have yoga and then the, you know, we have yoga, we have meditation. We have one of my retreat, the places I hold retreats is at the Whidbey Institute here outside of Seattle and they have a labyrinth. So we do Mm -hmm. labyrinth walk. I give people a lot of free time because I want people just to experience feeling that peace with themselves. And because I'm a therapist, 
I'm there to support people and help them soothe themselves if they are feeling really freaked out. But I have to say that people often express a lot of anxiety when they sign up for the retreat and feel like they're going to need a lot of extra support. Within a couple of hours, everyone just feels so good. It feels so great to be free from their devices that I haven't had to intervene. You know, I haven't had to you know, help people, someone who's really freaking out, which is really Yeah, I great. was going to ask about that, what, what the difference might be between people's expectations and their actual experience and whether there's any variation between people based on age or their current level of in, uh, engagement with technology or anything else that you've been able to notice as a pattern. Yes, absolutely. You know, first of all, the thing I want to say about age is I think we have this idea that Millennials use technology more. I'm a Gen Xer, you know, more than older people. And and in my experience, that's just not true. We might use it differently, but we all spend too much time with our screens, Mm -hmm. I think. And some of that's just the world we live in. So one of the testimonials I got for my first retreat, someone said, oh my God, I thought this was going to be people crying and saying, I don't have a problem, but I loved every minute of it. So I think, you know, some people just learn that they're able to enjoy themselves and enjoy their lives and be present without their phones there. For some people, they just get the relief of slowing down and not feeling like they're always on. People really come away with a lot of different experiences. You know, I'll talk a little bit about sort of how I help people to leave the retreat with a really concrete plan about how to have more digital mindfulness. but. You know, some people are there to sort of look at their relationship with social media. Some people just need a break from workaholism (laughs) and constant screen time. Some people really like to just sit and reflect on their own. You know, when people come and they're introverts, rather than doing these exercises where people talk one-on-one, I give them journal prompts so that they can get a lot out of it too and not have to be constantly engaging with people because that can be really exhausting for an introvert. And so, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. Um, Yeah. I've had people from 30, maybe or late twenties through 70 on my retreat. So at this point, I, you know, I feel like it's for everybody and everyone gets something out of it, whether it's a clear sense of themselves, a commitment to having more digital balance, a commitment to spending more time with friends. I really work on empowering people And, you know, I'm a therapist. So one of my participants in the last retreat was like, this is kind of like group therapy. And I was like, Mm -hmm. a little, you know? Uh, So, yeah. So that's kind of the feedback that I get. I mean, one thing that strikes me as interesting about it is uh, it sounds like a lot of the time is spent with people doing things without technology, but the time is not necessarily focused on the absence of technology. Uh, It's not like you're necessarily talking about the absence of it, but you're engaging in life without it. (laughs) Yeah, that's really true. I mean, I, I definitely do spend time talking about why digital mindfulness is important and what some of the hazards of the digital age are. Um, and then I do spend, we spend the final day, I give people a long list of ideas that they can take home to create their own sort of Mm -hmm. digital mindfulness plan. And so we do spend a lot of time on that in the last day because I want people to leave feeling empowered. So it is a combination of just asking people to have experiences without technology and finding the joy in that, feeling um, 
I don't know how satisfying that is and how life-giving it is. It was just such a great, great thing. And, you know, doing a deep dive into themselves, what's important to them, what they most want to accomplish in their life, and then also giving people tools. So we do talk about technology, but a, a lot of it is really just about giving people these tools to remember what it's like. <laughs> a lot of my work is geared towards helping people move, move out of this sort of a tech, tech-induced sympathetic nervous system response. You know, sympathetic nervous system is, is fight or flight. And most of what I do on my retreats is intentionally created to move people into parasympathetic states of relaxation and social connection and rest. So that's a really huge piece is I want to give people the opportunity to feel what it's like to feel rested, to feel less stressed, to feel less pressure. Can you tell people, you know, from your knowledge as a, as a therapist about the state of being aroused in the sympathetic nervous system and both what it feels like, but it's, it's effects long-term and short-term. So the sympathetic nervous system is basically the part of our nervous system that is fight or flight. It's a stress response part of our nervous system. When it's very, very activated, say in the case of having a, a serious, seriously traumatic experience, when we go into the, the sympathetic nervous system state, it comes from the most primitive part of our brain, right? Like the bottom of our brain stem, our, our amygdala. And when that happens, the prefrontal cortex of our brain that sort of is, is the manager of the brain just goes offline. And we end up feeling, you know, having a lot of adrenaline and cortisol, which are, st- are stress hormones in our system. And so with the technology, I feel like it's a little bit lesser. It's, it's not as intense, but it's like we're in this constant state of anxiety and pleasure, especially when we are looking at social media and the intention there is to give us those little dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. So we keep coming back. You know, Tristan Harris talks about having a slot machine in our pocket. And so we, we live in this constant state of low level stress and distraction. And that has far reaching impacts on our emotional health, on our physical health, having stress hormones coursing through your body makes you predisposed to a lot of I'm being careful here because, yeah, I just don't want to, <laughs> like, I have an idea of what it is, but I, I don't want to say, I don't want to make pronouncements. But I mean, it can really, it can lead to heart disease, poor sleep, which also comes with its own set of health issues, inability to be present, and just a, a much lower quality of life. So I really want to help people move into those, balance out with those parasympathetic sympathetic states, but they, which they talk about rest and digest, you know? And so mm-hmm. that's about relaxation, social connection and rest. And we really need to be able to be there in order to counter the effects of being in a sympathetic state a lot of the time, because there's so much coming at us all the time and there's so much stress and there's so many notifications and there's so much email. I just want to help people tap back into rest and quiet. Yeah, that, that's really valuable, I think, because many people who don't have your background may have a personal experience of feeling some of these things, but not necessarily know about what's going on right. uh, in their brain and their body. And I want to take us back to when you talked about the retreat. You said that you work at the end with people on making sure that they have a plan yes. for 
what they're going to do when they leave. Because we do know that, and I know you're not calling this a detox, but that when mm-hmm. people go on a diet or in some way remove something from their lives that's tempting, if they don't then have a plan, they may just go back to that same behavior again, right? You, uh, you, you, you fast and then you binge. And so you're talking about making sure you're giving people tools to go away with so that when they're not on the retreat, they can continue to, to continue on the same path. And I want to make sure you talk about the option that you have for people also to do a purely at-home retreat uh, if they can't make it to one of your in-person retreats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in a sec. I just want to say one thing about you made me think of something is that I really try not only to give people a concrete plan so they can leave and immediately put that into action, but also people aren't going to be motivated to change their behavior around technology unless they have something else really compelling to do. So another huge part of my retreat is giving people a lot of ideas and helping them explore how would they rather be spending that four hours a day that they might be spending on their phone. So anytime you're taking someone's coping, because we often use technology or phones to cope with emotions, I want to give them healthier replacements. So that's a really important piece. And then, so I have a do-it-yourself guide to a digital mindfulness retreat that's on my website. And I created this because I know that a lot of people can't afford either time-wise or money-wise a weekend or week-long retreat. And I hope at some point to build this to the point where I can offer reduced fees and scholarships. But Mm -hmm. for now, I just wanted to make it more accessible. So I created this guide that anyone can use for their at-home digital mindfulness retreat. Because I think sometimes people want to take like a a break from technology. They want to do technology fast, but they don't know what to do with themselves. And so I've taken a lot of the components of my retreats and put it into this document for folks. It's great. And we'll make sure to give people a link to that where they can get it directly. Yeah. And I'd love to talk through what those steps are. Absolutely. Yeah. If you can give people an overview, this would be great. So the first step is I ask, I, I suggest that you block off time in your calendar to make this retreat happen. If four hours seems like a lot, do one hour or if a whole weekend works, do that. So I really encourage people to do something where they're going to succeed and then build on that success. So you want to block off that time, make an emergency contact plan. So if you have anxiety about being reached, you can like let your neighbor know or let your partner know or let somebody know. Um, You can sort of make them your emergency contact. When I do my retreats, I'm the emergency contact. And so far, knock on wood, no one has needed to contact me. I think a lot of times we feel a lot of anxiety about not being reachable when in reality, it's okay. Um, of course, there are exceptions to that. And then decide where you're going to store your digital devices during the retreat. And if you feel like you might cheat, have a friend or your partner or neighbor hide them from you. And then sitting quietly and meditating. There's lots of different forms of meditation. Your listeners are, I'm totally happy to talk with anyone about starting their own meditation practice. No charge. I feel really passionate about that. So You just want to sit and meditate and set your intentions for the retreat, which you might have really specific intentions, or you might just be like, I want to see what happens, which is also really great. And then as I talked about before, I I have an exercise in my DIY guide about engaging with your senses. So engaging with your, your sense of sight, eating something delicious, feeling textures in the environment, 
finding scents that smell good and listening to ambient sounds or listening to nothing. Because one of my big weaknesses is having my earbuds in all the time. I'm always have my earbuds in listening to music or listening to podcasts. And I've been trying lately to just walk around in the world without them on. And it's really great. And then I suggest folks spend time in nature, you know, finding a park, sitting in your backyard. If you live in a really urban environment, playing with some plants, like maybe getting some plants and having a plant repotting party for yourself. And also journaling. So Mm -hmm. sitting down and writing down what really matters to you and what you would like to spend more time for. The piece around investigating your emotional relationship with social media is also in the guide with, with sort of guidelines for how do you work, work through that, work through that process for yourself. And then being really intentional about committing to in-person connections. So thinking about who you're going to reach out to for in-person time Maybe that might mean, might mean reaching out to some friends. It might mean planning a party, just depending on what works for you. But really being intentional about making sure you're making those connections. And then on my guide, there's a list of, oh my gosh, a lot. I want to say about 30 different tips that people can use to find more digital balance on their phone, on their computer, in their home, in their daily routine, and in their social life. And so there's this piece where you basically go through and you, you look at what are those changes you can make and how much time will you save with those changes? And then going back to your journal entry around what's most important to you and sort of replacing that time that you're going to save by having more digital mindfulness with those things that you feel passionate about. And then I also encourage people to sit at the end and meditate and to think about what they're most grateful for. Gratitude practice is a really important part of the work that I do on my retreats and in general, because I think sometimes people think of gratitude practice as this kind of woo-woo thing. But in reality, having a gratitude practice helps to work through our natural negativity bias. As humans, we have a natural negativity bias, which probably comes from Paleolithic times when we had to be constantly scanning the horizon for threats. And so we naturally focus on the negative and by, by spending some time focusing on what you're grateful for, it really helps to balance that out. And it's kind of like doing cognitive behavioral therapy on yourself. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a form of therapy where you look at how your thoughts impact your emotions, impact your actions. Just sitting and thinking about things you're grateful for can really help improve your mental health. I mean, there's research that shows that it really does improve people's life satisfaction and mental health. And it's not about bright sighting. It's not about, you know, forcing yourself to feel grateful for things that you're just really not grateful for, but it is about just taking some time. And, and, you know, I think for some people, this is harder than others. And I say, start, start easy, start with like paper clips are so cool, or I'm so thankful for indoor plumbing, you know, (laughs) and then just building on that. So I suggest someone start doing a gratitude practice every day along with a meditation practice. I really appreciate you sharing so many tips, including in your guide that people can download for free. You know, it's very generous of you to offer that option of a do-it-yourself at-home retreat that people can do, and also for you to offer uh, uh, that people can get in touch with you directly. So let me just ask you to let people know how they can find you online, offline, (laughs) how can they learn more about your work and get in touch with you? 
Yeah. So my website, uh, it's digitalmindfulnessretreats.com. That's my website. And that's um, I'm Christina at digitalmindfulnessretreats.com. That's my email address. D-M-R-E-T for short. So you don't have to type digital mindfulness retreats in all the time. So it's um, dmret.com. And then my email address is Christina at dmret.com. And so because I, I love to talk to people on the phone, I think that's a dying art. But because I'm a therapist and I rarely have my phone on, I ask that people email me first so we can set up a time to chat. And then if you go on my website, you can download the guide. And also there's information on upcoming events, upcoming retreats. The next retreat that's sort of open to the public is this incredible, um, it's Jomo Digital Mindfulness Retreat. That's going to be a week-long retreat in Mexico. And I'm partnering with Christina Crook, who wrote the book, The Joy of Missing Out. And we are just digital wellness soulmates. I wrote her a letter last year after reading her book and said, hey, do you want to collaborate? And she was like, yeah. And so we have (laughs) several things coming up. But the Mexico retreat is going to be really great because we're going to have people do five days tech free. And then two days, we're going to, for two days, we're going to give them their devices back and work on digital declutter, practicing digital mindfulness skills in real time. Um, So they have some time for that reentry. That retreat is going to be March 28th through April 4th. It's an incredible retreat center called Present Moment. There's yoga every day. There's adventures. There's surfing. There's hiking. It's a really beautiful, magical place. I've been there before. So I'm pretty excited about that. And then I will be offering another retreat that's open to the public near Seattle in June of 2020. And there'll probably be other things that are added in before that. So I just suggest that people go on my website and check out the events page to get updates. Fantastic. I'm excited about the retreats. They sound great. I got to say, the Mexico retreat is going to be incredible. I really, the place is so amazing. Christina and I have such, we really have complimentary things to offer. We're going to book the whole place. So it's good. We're going to create community together. It's just going to be amazing. It's like when you're a kid and you go to summer camp, you know, first you're really homesick and then you never want to leave. It's, it's kind of like summer camp for adults and it's great for people to come alone. I think it'd be really great for couples because I also often in our relationships, we're both sitting on the couch looking at our phone rather than connecting. So yeah, I'm super excited about it. It's gonna be really fun. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing with everyone. And thanks so much, Christina, for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guest, digital mindfulness retreat leader and expert, Christina Maleka. Christina has created a series of digital mindfulness retreats, which can be done at home or on location with Christina. You can find out more about Christina Maleka at dmret.com. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review and share the episode with your friends. And don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about science, technology, and mindfulness. You'll also be able to find out about our Tap Into Mindfulness course for helping you to take control of your smartphone at tapintomindfulness.com. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with Digital Wellness Collective founder, Nina Hersher.